are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, November 29th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It's all for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. If you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, good morning everyone. As always, thank you for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listener to start your week. Last night, the Chicago Blackhawks were back in action to take on the San Jose Sharks at the United Center. I'll go over a full recap of the game here in just a minute. I'll also discuss the Hawks' continued struggles on the offensive end, once again getting stymied by San Jose last night. Lucas Reichel, also the top prospect for the Blackhawks, was forced to leave the game early after taking a nasty hit in the Ice Hogs game last night. I'll have the latest updates on Reichel, and then I'll wrap things up with our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a couple of questions from a few lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Start things out on the show here today, though, folks. Let's get into the Blackhawks' 2 to nothing loss to the San Jose Sharks last night, a game in which they actually did do a lot of things right. They played with the puck more. I thought they were really physical when they needed to be. That uh, They created more in terms of shots on goal and shot attempts. And overall, they, they played a pretty sound defensive game as well. But the final score is all that matters. And on the offensive side of things, even though they did win the shots on goal battle and all the analytics were kind of in their favor, they still weren't able to create very many high-quality looks, just not able to get much off in, in the danger areas in the offensive zone, in the slot, um, and, and from out front. And even when they do get those chances in the slot or have a, a good scoring opportunity, most of the time right now, the players are, are just way too passive with the puck, and they always are trying to make the extra pass instead of making the simple play and firing on net. It's a, it's a real bad combination for a struggling offense right now. And it also doesn't help that the power play hasn't been able to do anything at all here in the past couple of weeks. Here are a couple of eye-opening stats for you folks. In the month of November, in 12 games, the Blackhawks' power play went 2 for 32. Those two goals, one was from Patrick Kane back on November 1st, versus Ottawa, and then the other was Dylan Strome on November 12th against his former Arizona Coyotes. And so since November 12th, the Blackhawks have gone without a power play goal. They're 0 for 13 in that stretch. No power play goals in the last six games. And with an offense that's struggling mightily to get it done at at even strength as well, it's certainly 
doesn't help to have a power play. They can't do you any help either. It's all bad right now for this Blackhawks offense. They, they kind of got away with it in that comeback win against St. Louis, scoring uh, Jujar Kara bats went out of midair, and then uh, Brandon Hagel also gets a piece of one on a redirect. They got away with it with two nice plays there, but um, still, the, the overlying theme here, um, or the underlying theme, I guess I should say, is... There's just consistently an inability to create high-danger chances, an inability to make the smart plays, make tape-to-tape passes when they need to. There's also a huge inability to be aggressive with the puck in the offensive zone, and all those things kind of came back to bite the Blackhawks last night against the Sharks. And sure, yeah, like I said, they led in most of the major analytical categories and whatnot, and they did outshoot San Jose 29-22. to But James Reimer, the, the man that got the start for San Jose and pitched the shutout last night, really wasn't tested all that much from the high-danger areas. The inability to get anything generated inside the dots, I mean... They weren't able to do anything for 60 minutes last night, and really, for 21 games now, that inability is extremely concerning. And I saw this stat tweeted out, I believe, by uh, Scott Powers, I think it was, or Mark Lazarus, one of the two from The Athletic. Um, But the Blackhawks, they've scored just seven five-on-five goals in their last five games. And on the season, they've scored four goals or more just twice. And another major problem is that aside from Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, and Brandon Hagel, I guess you can kind of add Seth Jones into that mix as well. Um, but when those guys aren't producing, no one else in the lineup seems to be able to pick up the slack consistency. There's no one else that we can count on right now. <laughs> it's very hard to get by when the top guys aren't aren't doing it night in and night out. It has been a much better effort out of the bottom six recently, I will say that. Um, But they still need to be chipping in more. And so do the defensemen. I mean, the defensemen haven't done anything offensively for this Blackhawks team. And then Jonathan Taze and Dominic Kubalik. I mean, I'm beyond frustrated with those guys at this point. Still no goals for Taze through 21 games now, only nine assists on the year. He's still obviously really solid in the faceoff dot right there near the top 10 in the NHL. Um, but in the offensive zone, he's not able to win a foot race. He's losing pucks. He's turning the puck over. He's not the same Jonathan Taze. And it's concerning right now. It's still early on in the season, but it's getting to that point where it's like, is he ever going to return to the same Jonathan Taze that we knew? And I'm not sure. <clears throat> but I guess only time will tell, but so far, uh, these first 21 games have shown us that the the pace, I think, is the biggest concern, that he's just not able to keep up and really create that much open ice for himself and to create separation to get good scoring chances off. Um, So it's been a struggle for him, as it has been all year. Dominic Kubelik, I mean, he's now upped his goal drought to 15 games, no goals in the last 15 games for the former 30-goal scorer, Dominic Kubelik. Unbelievable. And he is getting his chances. He had another slight breakaway chance in this one that I believe he missed the missed the net wide. 
Uh, so the the goal drought continues for Kubi. He only has four goals during that 15-game goalless drought as well. And then Kirby Doc also still without a goal since October 27th. So that's that's three of the top six that literally hasn't scored a goal in over a month now. None of those guys have a goal in a month in the last 12 games. It's not good right now. Um, and the Blackhawks expect much, much more out of those three. And you can obviously see what happens to the offense as a whole when they aren't producing. Also, last night, Dylan Strome was a healthy scratch for the second consecutive game. And I talked about this on yesterday's episode uh, that I really expected this to only be a one-game stint here for Strome out of the lineup. But I guess that proved to be untrue as King held him out once again versus the San Jose Sharks. Uh, King said that he didn't want to switch up the forward lines after that victory against St. Louis. And honestly, the the four forward lines were kind of rolling in that one. So that is a little bit fair. But looking back on it now, obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty. but it pr- pr- probably would have been nice to have an offensive-minded guy like Strom out there in last night's low-scoring affair where the Blackhawks weren't able to muster up anything. And at this point, I mean, looking at the Blackhawks' top six, as I just mentioned, no goals in a month out of half of the top six. Kubelik hasn't worked out recently. They've cycled through him. Kurashev's gotten some chances. He hasn't been able to get it going either. Taze and Doc obviously have their scoring issues, so I really believe it's time to give Strom the consistent chance that he deserves to be in a top six role. And it seems like King doesn't want to use him in the bottom six when they're going with this gritty style and this defensive-minded kind of play that we're having recently. But at this point, I mean, we're scoring two goals a game, maybe three if we're lucky. So it's clearly not working with what we got. So I, I don't know why... He's so opposed to to switching it up. And looking at how it's been recently, even Henrik Borgstrom really hasn't done anything, I think, to be in that third line center role over Strom. Um so I don't I can't see why Borgstrom's in there over Strom at this point. And honestly, thinking about more about Strom in a top six role, uh, with Doc not being able to provide any offense right now and as always, that inability to get it done at the dot. I know the Blackhawks, they love his defensive abilities, so I highly doubt they're ever going to put him out on the wing, but it just, it might be time to give Dylan Strom a look in that second line center role. He obviously knows how to play with Alex Dabrinkit. Um I know it's been a while, but he's had success when he's been given consistent time there. This He hasn't been given that opportunity consistently for three years now. And it's not like the kid's very old. He still has plenty of time to figure it out. I know the clock's ticking, but I really I really do believe that he can get it done. He, ha- he has to play at center, I think, if you're going to put him with the Brinkett. I guess you can put him out on the wing, but I think playing him with Kirby really hasn't worked there either. I think the second-line center role for Strom has to be given a look at some point, you know, in my opinion at least. I just think it's definitely worth a shot when this Blackhawks offense as a whole continues to struggle night in and night out this season. 
All right, there are some quick thoughts on the Blackhawks' loss to San Jose. Coming up in just a minute, I will go over a recap of the contest, and I'll also talk about the injury that prospect Lucas Reichel suffered last night. But first, I need to talk to you all about DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more right now at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment two now this morning, per usual, I wanted to go over a quick recap of the contest and go over how the Hawks managed to come come away with a 2 to nothing loss. In the first period, once again, in typical Blackhawks fashion this year, I mean, was another complete snooze fest, especially in that first 10 minutes. Not a whole lot going on from either side and kind of just a feeling out process in the early going. But after that midway point, the Blackhawks, they finally started to wake up a little bit. They put a couple of shots on Reimer, and they were the ones to generate the majority of the scoring opportunities. And in total, the Hawks outshot the Sharks 11-4 to in the opening 20 minutes. They weren't able to come away with very many high danger chances like I talked about earlier, but they played with the puck a lot and they looked like they were on their way to to heating up and, and getting something going. And I was hoping that in the second period after that first intermission, not being able to beat Reimer in the first period, that would fire them up a little bit and they'd be able to pick up right where they left off and and keep up that sustained pressure. And And I was really hoping that this new look, grindy Blackhawks team that we've seen recently was going to play to their style and was going to be able to get the job done at home. But right out of the gate, right off the opening faceoff in the second period, San Jose had some extra pep in their step and they put a lot of pressure on Marc-Andre Fleury in a hurry. They actually managed to take the lead in shots on goal in just the first couple of minutes after getting outshot, as I said, 11-4 to in the first period. And then, eventually, after Alex DeBrinkett and Seth Jones weren't able to connect on a two-on-one, the puck comes down the other way in the Hawks' own zone, and Logan Couture makes a remarkably intelligent play in the offensive zone. Taps his puck through his legs to his teammate Rudolph Bowsers, and Bowsers rips a shot through traffic and redirects off of Timo Meyer and past Mark andre Fleury to give the Sharks a 1-0 lead. And this, to me, was kind of the Blackhawks' season in a nutshell in a little bit because they had a 2-on-1 with two of the most dangerous players on their roster. Alex Dabrinkit is the best shooter on the team. 
And instead, he passes up on a wide open lane. He had a wide open shot on the goaltender. And he tried to make the perfect feed over to Jones. It doesn't wind up working out. And the Sharks, less than a minute after that, come back on the other end and cash in for a goal of their own. I mean, come on. So in a couple of ways there, the inability to be aggressive with the puck bit the Blackhawks in the butt. And I get what DeBrinket was trying to do, and had he connected with Seth Jones on that pass, it probably would have worked out. But it seems like the Blackhawks haven't been able to pull off that pass aside from DeBrinket and Kane all season long. So to me, in that situation, DeBrinket, as I said, the best shooter on this team, one of the few guys that has been able to consistently score, I think he's got to fire that puck on that. He doesn't, and what winds up happening, San Jose, I'm not saying that directly land of San Jose's goal, but it just seemed kind of fitting that a moment after they passed up on that great opportunity, San Jose wound up netting what what turned out to be the game winner in this one. That was all San Jose wound up needing offensively in order to get the job done. In the third period last night, it, w- it was kind of eerily similar to the one on Friday against the St. Louis Blues, except for the fact that the Blackhawks uh, weren't able to come away with the win in this one. Um, but just like Friday, the first 10 minutes, I mean, <laughs> nothing was going on at all. Uh, and I think at one point, 13 or 14 minutes in, the Blackhawks were ahead 5-1 to one in shots on goal. Um, but nothing to, too much to be concerned of on San Jose's end. Just a whole lot of passing, dumping the puck into the offensive zone, and unsuc- unsuccessful chases time after time after time. And I've talked recently on the show about the Blackhawks forwards and their inability to win battles on the forecheck. That was as evident as ever in that third period against the Sharks. It seemed like every time the Blackhawks would dump the puck in the offensive zone, not one player would ever be able to go after it with enough speed to to break up the play or maybe cause some havoc, and the Sharks were just able to to chip it out (laughs) um, nonchalantly, or, or they were able to make that quick pass to get out of danger in a hurry. And even with Fleury off for the extra attacker in the final minutes, when you'd be hoping that the Blackhawks were going to show some some desperation. They weren't able to create a, a chance that really put Reimer or the Sharks in all that much danger. They did wind up outshooting San Jose 9-3 in the final 20 minutes. They controlled the entire period. Um, but I can't say that, aside from maybe one of the shots, none of them really had a chance of finding the back of the net. A lot of the shots... From the point on the outside, um, not a whole lot of traffic in front, and just not enough work being done in the dirty areas or um, any ability to have speed and create chances from the slot. And that's the story of the season for the Blackhawks <laughs> in their offense. And after they weren't able to create anything, Timo Meyer goes on to add the empty netter for his second goal of the game, one of the three shots that the Sharks recorded in that third period to seal the deal, moving the Blackhawks to 7-12-2 before heading out east for a tough upcoming three-game road trip. Real quick, before I get into Mailbag Monday, 
One thing I had to mention was that last night, top prospect Lucas Reichel suffered an injury in Rockford's game against the Milwaukee Admirals. Reichel stumbled as he was entering the offensive zone and was hit face-first into the boards. It was a nasty-looking hit from Matt Donovan of the Admirals. Not a good hit there at all. And Reichel was down for a minute. He eventually needed help from the Ice Hogs training staff in order to get up from the ice. Uh, and it just did not look good. Maybe a concussion, or it also could be a shoulder injury with the way that he kind of fell into the boards. Um, Not really sure at the moment, but again, it it definitely didn't look great falling face first into those unforgiving boards. Ice Hogs head coach Anders Sorensen really didn't have much of an update on Reichel's status after the game. He just kind of said that, They're going to be running more tests here in the next couple days and that they'll know more once he gets further evaluated. But I'm sure that this is going to be a topic of conversation here in the next couple of days. So I'll definitely be sure to keep you all updated on the Blackhawks' top prospect in Lucas Reichel. All right, that takes care of a quick update on Reichel and also a quick recap of the Blackhawks' 2-0 loss to San Jose. Coming up in just a minute, it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's here, the best Monday of the year, Cyber Monday, and Built.com is the place to aim your mouse. Get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% off site-wide and even bigger discounts on Built Boost, Broth, and Built Swag. A brand new Built Bar flavor has landed just in time for Cyber Monday as well. Caramel Apple Delight. And it delivers everything it promises. Caramelized chocolate, check. Almonds, check. Delightful, double check. Be sure to get yours before they're gone. Only 115 calories and 17 grams of protein. In this season, maybe you're craving white chocolate. For a limited time only, you can also get a special new Built Bar Puff flavor, which is white chocolate cheesecake. The yummy protein treat filled with marshmallowy center covered in white chocolate. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. Go to Built.com for these incredible new bars and you'll get 20% off everything. Head to Built.com and enter the promo code LOCKED20 in all caps LOCKED, then the number 20 before it's too late. I also need to talk to you all about BetOnline.ag your online sportsbook experts and be sure to use our promo code LOCKEDON, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL and college football both are starting to close in on the postseason. UFC is also back in action this weekend as well. I'm riding Jamal Hill this weekend. It's been a decent stretch here recently on UFC and also We're now right in the midst of the NBA and the NHL seasons getting going. So for any sport you want to gamble on, 
You can get all the latest news, odds, and info with Bet Online. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head on over to the website, or you can also use your mobile device to sign up today, and be sure to use our exclusive promo code LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, getting into segment three today. It's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Only a couple of questions here this morning. The first that I want to answer today comes from at Blackhawk underscore Jack on Twitter, who asked, when do the Blackhawks bring up Alex Nylander? And I was actually just thinking about this a couple of days ago when the Blackhawks and head coach Derek King kind of announced that Tyler Johnson may not be as ready as they had hoped to return to the lineup. Johnson is still dealing with a neck injury. He last played on October 29th, I believe, against, yeah, October 29th against the Carolina Hurricanes, two days before Halloween. Uh, And the hope was that after the Blackhawks' four-game road trip out east and up in Canada, that Johnson would be able to start practicing again. Uh, but he's still yet to hit the ice, and it looks like that neck injury could cost him at least a couple more games here on top of already missing the entire month of November. And with Adam Gaudette being claimed on waivers by the Ottawa Senators a couple of days back, that leaves the Blackhawks with only 13 forwards on their active roster with Johnson out at the moment. Dylan Strom's been the extra man that's been healthy scratch these past couple of games. So I've been thinking if the Blackhawks are are wanting or are going to want to call up a 14th forward from the Rockford Ice Dogs. They already have their defenseman that they need right now. They got the seven that they want to roll with at the moment with Riley Stillman injured as well. Uh, But I was wondering if they were going to call up a 14th forward. And in my opinion, if they were to call up uh, an extra guy from down in Rockford, I-, I do believe that it would be Alex Nylander at this point. Through 15 games so far with the Ice Hogs, Nylander's recorded eight points, six goals, and two assists. But honestly, with the Blackhawks already having troubles getting Dylan Strom in the lineup, I'm not sure they're going to want to call up an extra guy from the Ice Hogs at this point. And I do think that a guy with the offensive skill set like Nylander could help them, but I just don't know if they want to call him up unless they're going to be giving him consistent action. And if they're not even able to get Stroman there at this point consistently, someone who kind of provides a similar skill set to Nylander, I'm, I'm not so sure that's the route that they're going to want to go at this point. And then once Tyler Johnson does return here, hopefully that'll be in the next week or so. Once Johnson returns, that would put the Blackhawks in a, in a position where they would have to send someone back down. And maybe they would want to go that route with Philip Kurashev, but based on the fact that they haven't gone that way yet, and I thought, honestly, Kurashev could be due for a stint in some games with the Ice Hogs, based on the fact that they haven't done that yet, 
I don't know. I think it's probably still a little bit too early in their minds to call up Nylander, but I do think that at some point here when they make a call up from the Ice Hogs, if they make a call up from the Ice Hogs in the next month or so, I think Alex Nylander is the guy. Uh, Lucas Reichel obviously got hurt in last night's game, but even if he didn't, I know there's no rush to bring him up to the NHL at this point. Uh, I think it would be a little early to call him up, and it would be ahead of uh, the schedule and the timeline that they've kind of set. There's no rush for Alex uh, or for Lucas Reichel right now, excuse me. Um, but yeah, uh, I just don't see Nylander getting called up at this point. I think they'd like to give him uh, some more extensive looks down on the Ice Hogs, continuously, consistently playing in an offensive role, and they can't really guarantee him that up at the NHL level for the Blackhawks at this point. So that just kind of makes me believe that they're going to be a little bit patient with Nylander still, even though they're struggling mightily on the offensive end at the NHL level, and I just think it's a little bit early for them to call him up at this point. Next question I have that I wanted to answer today comes from Andrew Andrew Padgett on Twitter, who asked, if sellers at the deadline, who goes first? Also, what's the odds an announcement will be made about the president's position? Is Eddie O still the favorite? First part of that question, if the Blackhawks are sellers at the deadline, then who winds up going first? Hmm. Well, Dylan Strom obviously is going to be a guy that's on that short list. Right now, the Blackhawks are still healthy, scratching him. It just doesn't seem like they can find a perfect role for him to be in there night in and night out. It seems like Derek King wants him to play with offensive-minded guys when he's in there, and if he's not able to do that, then they're probably just going to hold him out of the lineup rather than using him in a third- or fourth-line grindy role. Uh, so I imagine Dylan Strom, I mean, no surprise here, he's been getting talked about in trade rumors since the start of the season, so uh, I do think that he's going to be in the right in the mix of those conversations throughout the remainder of the year. Uh, I think Calvin DeHaan is also someone that could be in trade talks in the final year of his contract a veteran defenseman, whereas if we're not in the playoff picture, we probably don't need him around for the final couple months when he's probably not going to be back after this offseason. Uh, and then I think Marc-Andre Fleury could be on that short list as well, kind of in the same boat. If the Blackhawks aren't competing, there's no real need for Marc-Andre Fleury to be on this roster, and you probably want to give him the opportunity to go after one last Stanley Cup. And with he also being on the final year of his contract, even if the Blackhawks have to take on a little bit of that money through the through the rest of the season in order to gain some assets, I think that's a move that they probably would welcome considering uh, if, if that's the position they're in outside of the playoff picture, considering that they probably want to build for their future and, and Flurry's not really part of that as well. So those are probably the three guys I think off the top of my head that would probably be in trade talks. Maybe Dominic Kubalik, if things continue to go sour, he's going to be needing a new contract as well soon. Uh, but but those are probably the four guys just off the top of my head that the Blackhawks could be moving if they find themselves uh, near the bottom of the standings come springtime. Last question I wanted to answer. Oh, I guess I wanted to answer the second part of that question. Sorry, Andrew. Um, what are the odds that an announcement will be made about the president's position? I think there's still no rush in that area right now. Uh, I've, I've heard Eddie Ocek's name mentioned around, but I haven't heard too many uh, aside from that. I really do think Kyle Davidson's probably going to be given some some sort of role up there. I don't think it's going to be the full GM position, but I could see him being like the president of hockey ops or something along those lines. But Eddie Olchek is definitely still in the mix. I, I've heard his name thrown around by a couple of sources now. Um, 
but I, I don't really know when that's going to happen. Like I said, I don't think there's a rush on that right now. I don't think there's a rush to really solve any of these uh, absences and vacancies that have been left in the Blackhawks front office. I think they want to take their time and make sure they get the right people running this organization for the next several years to come, and that's going to take more than just a couple of months. So wouldn't be surprised if this one also drags out into somewhere near the springtime for the Blackhawks' vacant presidency. Last question I have today comes from at DTGreat13 on Twitter who asked, at this point in his career, Tazes at best a third-line defensive center. Isn't it time for the Hawks? Isn't it time for the Hawks to start realistically evaluating their talent, putting them in the correct positions in the lineup, and figuring out who needs the top two, top two line minutes to grow, gel, and improve? Yeah, um, certainly looks like Taves' ceiling maybe as a third-line defensive center at this point. I totally agree, but the problem with that is. Kirby Doc, our other center, really hasn't been able to do anything offensively in a month now. And Henrik Borgstrom, another guy we've had playing center, hasn't been able to rack up many points. Dylan Strom, even though he does get his looks, hasn't consistently been point producing. So it really hasn't left Derek King and, and this staff with many choices on what to do with Jonathan Taze. I think ideally, when Tyler Johnson returns, maybe that third-line center role is what you want to put Jonathan Taves in. But they just don't have any options right now with him out of the lineup and really no one else down the middle producing at this point. Um, but yes, David, I, I I do agree. I think once Tyler Johnson gets back, he's got to go right in the middle between DeBrinket and Kane where he was to start the season. Uh, and then I think you got to give Jonathan Taves looks further down the lineup. Clearly, he's struggling to produce offensively right now. Still no goals in 21 games. He does have nine assists, which isn't even that great all in its own. Um, but but yeah, I would not be opposed to mixing and matching for as long as we can to figure out what kind of lines are going to work for this offense because right now really nothing is working for them in the offensive zone. Uh, but it, it's tough when that seems to be the case. We can't get it going on the power play. We're not able to score at 5-on-5. Five five. We're down one of our top six guys who we could rotate in there. It's just kind of put Derek King up against a wall, and he really doesn't have that many choices. But I do agree that um, Jonathan Taze probably, it's looking like, is going to be the third-line center for these next couple of years for the Blackhawks, who can always provide that great defensive abilities, going to be Strong at the dot as always, but the offensive part of his game, I'm just not sure if it's ever going to be able to return to what it was prior to this illness that he had been dealing with because the pace has been down, the playmaking's been down, he hasn't been able to move the puck in the offensive zone like we've known Johnny to over the past decade. So it's it's been frustrating, but um, I, I still think that if the Blackhawks, once they get fully healthy, I think they'll be able to utilize him in a little bit better of a role when they have some more options, like a Tyler Johnson returning to the lineup and perhaps taking over in that top-line center spot. All right, I think that is going to wrap up Mailbag Monday, November 29th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, 
be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talkin' Hockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.